G'day, g'day, guys. Now, before we dive into today's show, I want to ask you a few quick questions. Are you looking to take your investing career to the next level? Are you wanting an accountability partner who will push you to achieve your goals? Are you needing to surround yourself with successful investors and entrepreneurs in order to up your game and take control of your life? Well, if you've answered yes to any of those questions, I am super pumped and excited to announce that I'm starting the Syndicator Incubator Mastermind Group. This mastermind is a group of highly motivated, abundance-orientated, hand-selected hustlers and entrepreneurs who are ready to take that next step in their investing career. We are now taking applications for the next group of champions. If you're interested to find out more, then email me at info, that's I-N-F-O, at reedgoosens.com and put in the subject line, The Syndicator Incubator. Being a part of this mastermind group, you will have unlimited access to both myself and my business partner, Andrew Campbell, and you will understand how we have been able to build a portfolio of over 1,200 units worth over $120 million in under 24 months, and we've achieved financial freedom in the process. There are once a month mastermind calls with the group and a yearly conference where you will learn from the best in the business. So what are you waiting for? There are only limited spots, so get your application pack by emailing me at info at reedgoosens.com. And remember, be bold, be brave, and go give life a crack. Our problems and all the challenges that we've had, ironically, have turned out to be the greatest blessings. Because what we did was we said, okay, every time we saw some sort of system break down, we, or something that was causing us problem as investors or for our investors, we said, what kind of system can we put in place to either minimize or eliminate that from ever happening again? Welcome to Investing in the US, an Aussie's Guide to US Real Estate. A podcast for international investors and real estate entrepreneurs looking to break into the US market. G'day, g'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the US podcast from Los Angeles. I'm your host, Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, I'm glad that you've all tuned in to learn from my incredible guests, and each and every one of them are the cream of the crop here in the United States when it comes to real estate investing, business investing, and entrepreneurship. Each show, I try and tease out their incredible stories of how they have successfully created their businesses here in the US, how they've created financial freedom, massive amounts of cash flow, and ultimately created extraordinary lives for themselves and their families. Life by design, as I like to say. Hopefully, these guests will inspire all of my cracking listeners, which are you guys, to get off the couch and go and take massive amounts of action. If these guys can do it, so can you. Now, as you know, I'm all about sharing the knowledge with my loyal listeners, which is you guys, and there's absolutely no BS on this show, just straight into the nuts and bolts. Now, if you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give us a review on iTunes and you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter by searching at Reed Goosens. You can find the show wherever you podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher and Google Play, but you can also find these episodes up on my YouTube channel. So head over to reedgoosens.com, click on the video link and it will take you to the video recordings of these podcasts where you can see my ugly mug, but the beautiful faces of my guests each and every week. All right, enough out of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show. So 
Today on the show, I have the pleasure of speaking with the dangerous duo Jack Gibson and Jeff Schechter, owners of High Return Real Estate. Now, Jack began his entrepreneurial journey back at the age of 19, and he founded his first company at the ripe old age of 21. He was operating a successful nutrition consulting and distribution company, and he had built a multi-million dollar venture before he was even old enough to rent a car. Soon after, he bought his first home as an investment property, and quickly, one became five, and then the bug hit. He became obsessed with learning everything about real estate investing, and he soon had over 50 investment properties generating him passive income. Today, Jack spends his time mentoring other entrepreneurs, building his real estate investment portfolio, and helping other investors to build a brighter future through the power of turnkey real estate. His business partner, on the other hand, Jeff, aka Shecky, has had his entrepreneurial bug his entire life. He started his first business right out of college, and over the years, he's been involved in numerous business adventures a serial entrepreneur through and through. His love for real estate investing began in the 1980s when he rehabbed five of his own residences before the term house hacking even existed. Since those early days of torn up kitchens and bathrooms, he bought and sold many properties and is an active real estate investor today. In addition to investing, he operates in a private consulting practice. He thrives on helping other people realize their potential, their full potential, not only in business and investing, but also in all aspects of life. I'm really pumped and excited to have both these gentlemen on the show, but I'm going to be quiet now and welcome them out here. G'day, boys. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Thanks for having us on, Reed. We're doing great. Yeah, I love the way you say g'day. <laughs> well, you've got, you got, you got to lean into it, right? It's, you yeah. know, it's, I, it's, as soon as I open, as soon as I open, open my mouth, I... I um I <laughs> I sound like an idiot. No, no I'm it just sounds joking. great. But um, but gentlemen, uh, I always ask because I've got two of you on the show today. Really, really awesome pleasure. Uh, is rewind the clock. Tell me how you both made your first ever dollar as a kid. Oh jeez, Shucky, you've got to rewind a lot further than me. So you want to go? <laughs> Thanks for that. Uh, uh, mine is actually pretty interesting. I most people know this just from me saying this on air a number of times, but I was actually raised by a clergyman. My father was a mm. rabbi. And during the summer that I was, uh, I think, turning 16, I was in Israel for the summer on this really cool trip with a bunch of other teenagers. And while I was there, the cantor of our synagogue died. The, in other words, my father's essentially right-hand man. My father was the rabbi who does the you know, sermon-type stuff. The cantor does the singing-type stuff for those. Uh, yep. Anyway, being raised by a rabbi, I knew all of these songs and liturgy and things like that, and they asked me to step in as a interim cantor until they could hire one. And that gig as a 16-year-old lasted for a year, and I made like, Wow. Really great money. I mean, for a 16-year-old, I made really, really great money. I didn't necessarily love it, but I was really great at it. And uh, that was sort of my first, like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go do this. And uh, awesome. yeah, it was kind of an interesting start. That's, that's, that's really cool. That's really cool. Jack, what about you? Yeah, actually, I sold fruit, um, like, on the side of the road for uh, this, you know, my buddy's best friend's grandma. And I made $2 an hour. Wow. Even back then, I knew that was like, that was terrible. So <laughs> I started to realize like, oh man, I need to own the fruit stand and not be working for the fruit stand. 
So yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Good. That's awesome. I don't know what that is in today's dollar. Two dollars an hour back in, you know, eighty, eighty six, eighty seven. You know, what that, yeah, what inflation at three percent a year, you could probably work it out. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> Carry the one. Right. Uh, <laughs> but um, but gentlemen, walk. Uh, that was incredible. Um, uh, Shecky, I was just uh, my wife is is Jewish, and I actually just attended my first ever bar mitzvah in uh, in uh, Washington D.C. So it was a really awesome experience, and I uh, got to first time to the synagogue, and it was uh, cool. That's great. Really, really cool. Awesome. So, um, yeah, Mazatov, exactly, exactly. Um, I, I'm sure our children will be uh, will be bar mitzvahs, uh, having bar mitzvahs and bar mitzvahs in the in the future. So, um, so well, so awesome stuff, guys. Walk us through the journey of how I, I sort of alluded to both your backgrounds that you have had a long, long history in real estate investing, but it sounded like both of you had just stumbled into it more through just trying to make ends meet by the sound of it. Uh, Shecky to your house hacking back when the trend wasn't even a trend. And and Jack to you, just, you know, you're st- very entrepreneurial from, from day one. So was it was it by chance that you both fell into it and, and, and became partners or, or how did that how did that process work? Yeah, well, my very first rental property was actually our, my starter home, the bachelor pad, right? Pre-Kara, pre-my wife. And, you know, about 2008, we had a, a baby on the way. And the layout of the house wasn't right, um, you know, with a downstairs bedroom, up, you know, for the baby, up, we're upstairs. We didn't like it, so we had to sell in 2008, right? And so we sold right at the peak, or tried to sell it right at the peak, couldn't get in any reasonable offers. And, um, you know, that obviously, you know, right when we listed it, then the market started crashing. So we turned it into a rental and it rented out every month for eight straight years. And I knew, wow, this, there's something to this, you know, uh, that one, that property didn't like make extraordinary returns, but it was solid, steady and got the uh, tax deferment. Right. So about, and that was my only rental for quite a while. And then uh, back about five years ago, my stocks were going up and down, up and down. I just got tired of that whole you know up and down deal with that particular asset class and said i'm not relying upon this for the rest of my life i can't handle this roller coaster ride so i need to learn real estate so i started you know diving in learning through listening to podcasts just like yours just trying to understand like what is it what does it take to be a good real estate investor right so that's how i started kind of my journey and started buying and then check it i met up uh, you know through of a chance encounter yeah so the the house hacking originally was just because i was pretty scrappy and probably wasn't that good as an entrepreneur so was having a hard time making ends meet but i always had a really just kind of an interest in architecture and design i never studied it or anything like that but I, you know like i was always the guy you know repainting the house and moving the furniture around and moving the artwork around and i always kind of had this eye for that sort of stuff and um, I know you're you know pretty heavy into San Antonio and for a lot of those years that I was living in San Antonio I would just buy these properties that to live in because I was a single guy and I, I didn't have any other responsibilities and I would buy stuff that needed some work and go like oh, heck I can I can make that work but just because I had an eye for it I was able to live in them for a couple of years you know get past the point where you don't have to pay the big taxes on it and I would always find a buyer to make you know give me a bunch more money than what I had in it. So it was like, it wasn't really a business per se for a while. It was kind of a hobby, but it was a, a hobby that 
that allowed me to live for free for many years, right? So I always enjoyed that. And um, then, you know, as, as Jack alluded to, 2008 happened. And in the 2005 through eight period, I was actually took that to the next level and had a flipping business. And of course, by 08, when everything crashed, my then business partner and I pretty much got our asses handed to us on a silver platter. And it was financially very, very devastating. And I had kind of sworn off real estate, said I'm never doing it again. And at the time, uh, the internet was really starting to become, a, uh, in my opinion, a more important place for marketing. You know, obviously, this is a long time ago, and things looked different on the internet than they do today. But I was very intrigued by that. And there was this incredible community in Austin, only 80 miles north of San Antonio, that were really pushing the envelope on the digital marketing. And so I ended up moving up there to just to be closer to that community and really started going to masterminds. And kind of like Jack said about what real estate, I was doing the deep dive into internet marketing after having sworn off. And um, uh, ultimately, one thing led to another, worked on a few different projects. I was working with a buddy of mine who owned a social media agency. And we were teaching people, obviously, other business owners, how to operate online and leverage social media and that kind of advertising. And I developed a whole coaching and consulting division for him. So I was teaching a lot of the classes. And, you know, it was the pretty typical digital marketing thing where you, you, know, you put out a free video and then you invite people to a free class and then you sell them up on the group class. But eventually the, the top tier is one-on-one -on -one consulting. Turns out over time, one of my best and favorite students was the other guy on this podcast, a guy named Jack Gibson. And we had, uh, we had a really, really nice phone relationship, you know, and I was helping him with his other company. And um, he reached out to me one day and he said, hey, dude, I want to pick your brain on this other concept that I've come across. And I was like, sure, of course, you know, it's like, it's no problem. You're great client, no charge. Let's just hop on the phone and brainstorm. And he said, you know, hey, I've been buying some properties in Indianapolis and I've been using this other company that's this quote unquote turnkey. And I didn't quite completely understand what he meant by it, um, but explained it to me and to, was telling me about some of the returns and how things worked. And it was, it was very intriguing. So my goal on that call, which turned out to be a very long call and the energy was really great, was really just to provide a lot of value for him and say, here's what I think your avatar looks like. Here's the kind of people that might be interested. Here's, you know, some of the strategies you might use in marketing. And the very next day I typed up just kind of a laundry list of many of the bullet points that had come out of that conversation, sent it to him. And, uh, you know, like a day later I got an email back. He's like, okay, let's do it. And I'm like, WTF, let's do what? You know, <laughs> so uh, he's like, oh, I want you to be my partner. And I was like, oh, okay. So, and I was living in Austin at the time and it you know, wasn't even really on my radar, but um, that was the seeds of how we got started. And uh, it's, we've had a lot of iterations since then, but that's kind of the story of how we met and evolved into having our own turnkey company. That's awesome. And I forgot to even ask, was there a Clark Kent before the Superman? Like, we, we, did you guys have day jobs at all? <laughs> well, Jack's got his own uh, nutrition business that does well. So right. Okay, that's still going. He's, okay. he's, yeah, he's very successful in that. And I, like I said, was still living that scrappy lifestyle, but, but I had a full-time gig with this uh, social media company got at it. the time. So, yeah, we both had other 
things going on. I've since given up that gig with those guys. I'm still friends with them. They're still rocking and rolling down in Austin, but it just didn't make sense to continue. Right, right. Well, well, well Jack, well done for having a business. At, well, is this the same business that started at 21 yeah. and still going today? Yeah, it's a you know multi-level marketing, um, nutrition business, distributorship. Um, they're over 15 million in sales probably this year. Wow. It's a, wow. It's going strong. And We're having a record year. It's been it's been amazing. So um yeah, supplements crazy. meaning supplementation, uh, right? Shakes, uh, protein yep. shakes and yep. meal bars, supplements, yeah, all that. And all it, the stuff. All, yeah, all, we, the, all, the, gym, all the gym junkie stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, we've done a lot of pioneering in that uh, particular business innovation with um, the way we've you know kind of modernized it. So it's yeah, it's been it's been great. Right. Interesting. Well, guys, you have such an interesting background, both of you. It's, it's, it's now interesting that you pivoted into turnkey real estate. So tell me a little bit about the business that you've created together. Obviously, you've come together with a little bit of kismet, you know, one, the student now being, you know, the, well, they say the grasshopper is now becoming the student or teacher or whatever that is. But you've, you've clearly got a, a synergy there that to go and take this thing to the next level. And um, I'm really intrigued about what the business is that you guys now do and maybe think of it like a, a, a menu at a, at a restaurant like you'd have the entrees and or the starters the entrees and the desserts like if i was to come into your business today how do i what are the what's the free stuff what's what's you know what's up, up, up the cheap stuff on the menu and what's more into the the more expensive uh t-bone steak at the bottom right well there's definitely different versions of of what people would call turnkey real estate you know for for us in our model it's where you're buying a property that's already been through all the processes that it needs to be a performing asset. So in other words, we do the acquisition, we do the remodel rehab, we get it third party inspected uh, twice so that we make sure that we're checking everything thoroughly for quality control. And then um, you know, we do the property management, place the tenant, do the ongoing maintenance and repairs, and even the CapEx, you know, if a major item eventually hits down the road, which we're, you know, we're, we're trying to do quality work so that don't happen for, you know, another decade, but um, we're doing all of that for our investors. So they get to buy a, a pretty passive investment. So when we first started, however, you know, Shecky and I, we're sales and marketing guys. I and mean, that's what we love to do. We're both good at, he's awesome digital marketer, great at systems. Um, my specialty has always been sales, building relationships, building long-term partnerships. Um, bringing in capital for the business. So incredible partnership. And so when we first started, we were leveraging off an existing turnkey provider who was doing all the acquisitions, the rehab and the management. And we were the sales and marketing arm or one of two arms for them, right? Well, it turned out that our original provider uh, was very, wasn't on the up and up. He wasn't doing the rehabs uh, to any sort of quality type of control. They were all just cosmetic. So a lot of the bones of the property, you know, were not being addressed. And um, they, he was paying out fake rents. And so it was just a house of cards that eventually, you know, crumbled. And so now Shecky and I find ourselves from being this sales and marketing guys to now we are now construction managers. We are now acquisition guys, right? So now we, we didn't sign up for that. Neither of us did. <laughs> so when I put the pitch on Shecky to be my, uh, you know, equity partner in, in this company, it was, we're doing sales and marketing. We're not going out and doing all aspects of real estate. So we, we had uh, some really tough lessons that we had to learn. 
and still continue uh, to this day, you know, partly from the, uh, the ending of it, but, you know, having to clean up the mess that was kind of, you know, that we, I guess we, we manifested ourselves, right? <laughs> and Jackie, was, was your interest in the business purely around when it was first pitched the digital marketing space and growing this widget, which essentially just was turnkey houses? And you, did you ever expect to get involved and get your hands dirty on house inspections and looking at uh, for termites and uh, you know asbestos issues and all the all the stuff that comes along with uh, getting involved in, in construction management? Clearly, you're trying to make me cry right now. Uh, No, I mean, it's just like Jack, like I, um, you know, one of the things you start understanding when you do digital marketing, you know, many digital marketers are drawn to it because, you know, you have very little cost of inventory, you're mostly selling information um, or leads or whatever. And so uh, I was drawn to that because of the cleanliness of digital marketing. Uh, I specifically did not want to get my hands dirty. Um, However, that's not what the universe had in store for me. So, um, you know, yeah, we've since had to build out completely, you know, I think, what are we running, like seven crews now uh, between maintenance and rehab and, um, and, a, and, a, and a property management company and you know, like all that stuff. I mean, it's, it's extremely uh, labor intensive and, um, you know, we're, I wouldn't say we're perfect at it, but we, we've gotten really, really good. And as Jack alluded to, we've learned some very difficult, very, very expensive lessons, uh, mostly because we had some great examples set for us and what not to do. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so we, we actually learned from that and said, okay, how do we, we're investors. So at the, at the beginning of the day and the end of the day, we're investors. So how could, what would we want in an investment property? How can we build it in such a way that we can build complete trust in the system? It doesn't mean that there aren't going to be, there's, there's always going to be some risk because it's real estate investing and you can't necessarily predict tenant behavior and you can't, be, you know, you can't necessarily predict hurricanes and, you know, other weather conditions. But how can you put as much trust into a system that allows you to minimize the most amount of risk, you know, transparency, inspections, processes, all that kind of stuff. So we just set out to build that. And I, you know, I drew from some of my previous experience in house flipping, you know, a couple of decades earlier, which I had nearly forgotten. Um, but, uh, but, but the, you know, when you really look at it, I mean, we're both, I think, pretty good businessmen. And it's just like, you know, I think any business can be successful, assuming you have a good product. Any business can be successful with good systems in place and a certain amount of resilience and stick to it and just, you know, keep toughing it out until you figure it out. And, and honestly, the, the key to our success, as dumb as this sounds, has really just been true grit. I mean, we, we've just uh, we just kept fighting, and we've fought in a lot of arenas, I believe, where uh, many other people not only would have chosen to throw in the towel, but many have that we have seen. And we're, and we're I, still I, And I want to get into that in, in, in just a minute, but... The, the burning question for me right now is both of you had very successful careers. Um, Jack, sound like you had a very awesome, have, still have very great um, $15 million of worth of online sales, which is fantastic. Ja, um, uh, sorry, Jackie, you had a, a, a really successful digital marketing career. 
what the why the why behind starting all of this? What 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 was it? You know, because you, you both had seems like really awesome lives, and you, you had your own you know stuff going on. So, why did you decide to get in in, in real estate? You know, it's funny you asked that question because we were just discussing this yesterday when I was in India meeting with the team, and we're we're like, why did we do this? Why did we put ourselves through this? This is this is not an easy business at all. Okay, I mean there is a a lot of complexity, a lot of sharks, a lot of people that aren't afraid to, you know, to screw you over and when they'll think twice about it, and, you know. So we were both lamenting like, wow, we, we had pretty good lives before we did this. And then we put ourselves through the ringer, you know, figuring this business out and trying to scale it. And I think, you know, if I look at them, like, Man, I just, I don't know, I needed a new challenge, I guess. I don't know else how to put. It. I think, you know, I, I here's what I tell my I train my sales guys to look right around days. If we go on a vacation, okay, with my wife or whoever, at about if it's a seven day vacation, right around day five, day six, maybe I'm bored. Like, I want to get back to the grind. Why? Because I love the struggle. You know, deep down inside, I love to be challenged. I love the struggle, and so we can all we all complain about it when we're in it, but I think a lot of us, especially more so entrepreneurs, in my opinion, are wired to where they just, they, they need challenge, they need struggle. And that's when they're happy, when they're in the middle of, of a struggle. And we can try to deny it all day long, but I think that's how it works. So yeah, we, I just needed something else to, to different to get my juices going again and mm, prove, yes. prove that I could do it. Yeah, Shecky? What like what 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 decided what what made you mind shift you know mindset and mind shift to to get out of a, a what seemed to be a comfortable digital marketing career? I continue to ask myself that question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I think there's there's an element of what Jack said for myself too. Like I, uh, I I appreciate a new challenge. I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. I've been you know lots of different businesses and. Um, some of it I just blame on Jack. I mean, it's really Jack's fault. I mean, <laughs> uh, the blind leading the blind, yeah. right? Uh, the thing is, we, we, the irony is we had never met in person. So you know, Jack's right. up in Michigan and I'm down in Texas and we had a really great relationship. But I think there was a lot of respect for each other. And, you know, I'm a few years older and I start thinking like, okay, I've been this scrappy guy my whole life. I don't have a lot of money put away for, for retirement. I had been in real estate investing before I had kind of sworn it off, but it's sort of, you know, once that gets in your consciousness, it's kind of hard to get it out of there. And, and like Jack, I like a good challenge. And um, so I just thought like, here's an opportunity not only to create something like a really, really great product. Like as a marketer, I can really show investors a lot of value in what we do, especially when we look across the landscape, of what others are doing in our space and how much better we do it. So, and because of the systems we put in place. So I knew there was definitely something that we could promote. And so just from a sheer business standpoint, it's like, hey, there's definitely something here. But I was also motivated for selfish reasons thinking like, okay, you know, I'm starting to get to that age where, you know, I'm thinking like I'm only a few years away from maybe getting social security, whatever that means, blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't have a really strong future financial setup for myself. I've had a fun entrepreneurial life. I've done some really cool things, 
but I'm kind of looking for the big hit now. And, um, and I want to be, and, and I looked at real estate thinking like, okay, I now am creating a product for other investors that I can buy myself. And it's like, I can kill two birds with one stone. And, and I looked at it as like, it's plays to my strengths. It handles my future. There was just so many boxes that got checked off that I just like, I just couldn't really say no. I'm interrupting this episode to remind you guys about the Syndicator Incubator Mastermind Group. If you want to take your investing career to the next level and surround yourself with the best in the business, then apply today. Spots are filling up fast. I'm only taking a handful of people for the next round, so get your application by emailing me at info, I-N-F-O, at reedgoosens.com. Remember, be bold, be brave, and go give life a crack. Now, back into the show. The ability to keep your juices flowing, one, but also two, the ability to grind. And, and, and a lot of people who come on this show, and the reason I asked that first question about how you made your first ever dollar as a kid is because to, to show the entrepreneurs on this show and people who listen to the show that it starts from a young age. And, and a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs do slog it and, and, and spend a lot of time slogging and like to slog right? And, and it's the whole roll up the sleeves, get dirty and not be afraid to get dirty. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, particularly in today's age, you know, I'm a millennial, but I've, I've definitely grown up on, you know, working hard and I enjoy helping my dad back on the farm when I, when I go back there because it's just something I just like do using my hands. But a lot of people want to hand it on a platter these days and not willing to roll up the sleeves and, and work. And I think that's a testament to both of you that you've had pretty stable careers and then you know said like what the hell let's go on this roller coaster so um that's 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 awesome i do want to now get into the business and 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 turnkey investing i i've had a lot of experience with it both myself being an international person moving to the united states in 2012 which what seemed to be the height of turnkey investing when everything was dirt cheap and you know the numbers look great so where are you guys buying um and specifically more how are you creating that business that is you know because a lot you know in australia turnkey got a lot of bad u.s turnkey got a lot of bad press um and it was a lot of international investors to what you were saying earlier about people putting lipsticks on pigs uh and you know having to pay back rent you know over promise blah 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 how have you what model have you built that you can rise above that and be the cream the cream of the crop yeah so your point about you know the Aussies getting burned is well taken. I've I've heard many of those stories, and I think, you know, that's kind of what we saw was there was a lot of that too good to be true kind of stuff out there, and uh, you know we even saw it recently when we were dealing with that original supplier. So, like I said, our our problems and all the challenges that we've had, ironically, have turned out to be the greatest blessings, because what we did was we said okay. Every time we saw some sort of system break down we, or something that was causing us problem as investors or for our investors, we said, what kind of system can we put in place to either minimize or eliminate that from ever happening again? So um, we make no bones, by the way, that we're in C-class properties. We're not in the expensive stuff. We're in kind of the you know, not so pretty inner city sort of stuff, but the stuff that you can buy very, very inexpensively. And the price to rent ratios are really, really great. Um, however, that poses some additional challenges in terms of managing that kind of tenant base that's typically more of living hand to mouth than somebody renting the fancier properties. You know, for people like that, you know, a flat tire is a big economic event for them. 
So, um, so we started looking at that and just said, okay, how were investors getting burned? How were we getting burned? And it almost came, it always came down to just really two things doing a really, really good rehab and proving it and putting in the best possible tenant that you can for that property class. And of course, managing them really with an iron fist. So it's really just comes down to, to property condition and tenant condition. And so we've just built all of the systems around that. And, um, and we still continue to build to this day. Like I said, we're not perfect, but Jack alluded to it for an example. It's a perfect example. We were uh, seeing that there were properties having some issues after we'd sell them. We thought we did a good rehab, whatever. So, you know, we had our checklist, but hey, our guys are human. They missed stuff. So we went to a situation where we started doing two separate, complete third-party inspections, not the same inspector. So the first time around when we acquire the property, we get the utilities turned on, we send an inspection company over there. And when our guys go over there, they'll do a full you know, analysis scope repairs or everything like that, but they're also looking at that inspection report at the same time. And they're saying, now we know exactly what the property needs. It costs us a couple hundred bucks to do it, but now we've got a whole nother set of eyes in terms of quality control on that property. So that's been a, a fantastic thing that we put into place. We then roll through all of our stuff. When the guys are done, and I shouldn't say only guys because there's some girls too. I don't want to be sexist. Um, the, we send another inspector back in to go over the whole property again. So just in case our teams missed anything, now again, we paid for additional quality control. And we share that information with investors. We can say, look, you can see how the property condition was before, but more importantly, the second final one, this is exactly what, so not us, what somebody else is telling you the condition of that property is, right? And further, if there's anything remaining on that second one, we'll send our teams back in to go, you know, just curate any of the smaller remaining items. We have them sign off on it. We have them take a couple pictures that they took care of it. From there, we even then, so we'll, we'll obviously need to send a photographer in to go take pictures of the property to make sure that it gets looks pretty when it gets on our website. But from there, we also do another um, final, what we call systems check. And we have somebody go in and plug a socket into all the walls, make sure they're all working, turn on and off the lights, check the water pressure, you know, all the things that we know the tenants are going to do before we go in there. So before we release it to our leasing agents to say, hey, guys, go nuts and start leasing it, we do all of that stuff because, again, in that property class, tenants will use any excuse not to pay their rent. And part of what we're trying to do there is to remove all the excuses. So the, those are the kinds of things that we built into our business that our investors, really, they love us for. I mean, sure, everybody wants a good deal. And there's lots of things. I mean, you can spend all day in analysis looking at numbers and good deals and whatever. And, and we often try to tell people, look, it's, it's not only the property that you're buying, but it's who you're buying from. And what kinds of things have they put in place to help protect you? Um, we also do that second inspection, by the way, because we do give a warranty on the product. Like we stand behind what we do as far as our rehab. And there have been times where we have screwed up and pulled our wallets out and put a lot of money into a property that we were not anticipating having to put into after the sale, completely wiped out all of our profit on that purchase, on that sale. But yet we still did it. 
because A, we were obligated to, B, we would have just done it anyway, because it's just the right thing to do. So we want to make sure that everything is tight. So if we're putting our name on that rehab, that man, that thing is solid. And, and yep. that's served yeah. us and our investors very well. I think you, you've, you sounds like you've, you've sorted out the front end stuff, right? Like, you know, I bought my first property I ever bought here in, in the States uh, back in 2012 was, was 38,000 bucks a triplex in upstate New York. And I put 10 grand into it. Nice. Um, it was great. You know, did, did, did you know, you, the, the big thing and the, the big, like, the, the, the big so- secret sources to everyone listening out there, you want to try and hit all the things that are going to cause you issues down the road. HVAC, roofing, plumbing, electrical. Yep. They're the big thing. And any foundation work, you know, anything outside of that is going to be all really cosmetic. Um, so if you hit all those things, that's great. And, and, and now shifting into, Jack, I want to get your, your, your input on this is the hardest part, what I found being, you know, thinking, and, and this is property management, um, is as a one-time investor who had a $30,000 property, I expected a certain expectation. And then this was just my naivety of, the, of, of investing here in the United States. But you know, when someone's only making 8% on you know, $1,200 a month, I think it was the property was earning, they're not going to spend a lot of time if they put the wrong tenant into it um, that then eventually caused issues, you know, like I was calling them. And there was a whole sense of, scale issue on my part that I, I just bought one and I expected, you know, the, the earth of someone who, you know, was only earning 8%. So how do you in the sort of systems business world try and pull all these investments together to make it more efficient for you property management wise? And what are the mousetraps you've set up in order to get the best tenants in there at that rent who are going to pay on time and, and you know, the iron fist sort of analogy? <laughs> Well, uh, disclaimer on, on the best tenants part of it, uh, you know, we are in C-class property, so we certainly don't always get the best ones. Right? And, you know, you're, there's two, there's, you know, C-class and, you know, the uh, the returns are, are exceptional, you know, compared to like a B or an A, you're definitely going to get a much higher ROI. Now, you're going to have a little bit more wild ride because it, it just is what it is. It's the nature of the tenant class, right? So there's certain companies, property management companies, who screen really, really hard. They only take maybe one out of 24 applicants. And we dealt with them before. Um, like they were kind of our interim go-to PM when we our first one kind of busted out. And the problem with that is, you know, three months, four months, a house is vacant. Well, you're losing a lot of rent and money when that in that process. So there's the over-screening, right? And then the very, you know, the first company, one of the reasons they imploded, original, you know, provider, is that they didn't screen at all. It's like, if you can bog a mirror, boom, we're going to place you into this. And, you know, and then they, they don't pay pretty quickly, right? So you got to have somewhere in the middle. Um, our parameters are three times income, no evictions last five years, unless there's like a special, can be a special circumstance that can be explained, but mo- mostly not. It's just a good story, right? Uh, and uh, we don't really check a whole lot in credit score rating because if you do that in C-class, nobody would qualify for anything, right? <laughs> so um, those are kind of our general parameters, right? And um, then we get a full month security deposit so that that can at least give them more skin in the game. And, uh, you know, then from there, it's, uh, you know, the, the game is now like, okay, collection. So we have a VA that we actually hired and these are just some things that we've done to to just to make our systems stronger and get 
everything more dialed in, but you know, she calls people every day if they're late until they start paying. We put sticky notes on doors if they're late. I mean, they, they get texts, right? They, there's communications. Our collection rates are way up and, and very strong since we started getting tougher on tenant screening, um, getting, you know, doing better quality rehab. So then they have, like Shecky said, they have less excuses to pay. Um, and then, you know, the follow-up, you know, chasing down the money, so to speak, you got to do that. You don't have to do that in A class, but you need to do that in C class. So, you know, if you really want strong performance and our, our duty, right, we know what we're doing. We're selling, we're not selling a property to an investor. We're selling a stream of income to them. That's what they're buying. And all they're, they're buying an ROI on the paper. So that's what we got to really fight to deliver. And, you know, it can be challenging, right? Very and, challenging. And, and, I, yeah. and, I, and that's the, the reason I, I, I dive into that is because, as I said, the front end stuff is really you're getting it all, just all the, the bells and whistles sorted. And in the products there, it's the management of the ongoing tenant, which can be what I've experienced in, through my investing when I first started was just the hardest part of it. And, and so, are you pulling? So, I didn't even ask, where, where are you guys buying? And, and then, with the locale, are you pulling those? From a, from a property management um, scalability point of view, because you're going to be selling individual houses or small groups of houses to people, so do you keep them, try to keep them within a certain radius of one another to 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 maximize and be efficient with your property management. Yeah, I mean we're well, we're in Indianapolis. That's where our our headquarters are, and we we started here because obviously that's where our initial supplier was, but it also from a standpoint of investing nationally. It's one of the hottest cities for investors. I mean, the, the, the prices here are inexpensive and the price to rent ratios are really, really strong. Um, to answer your question specifically, uh, we operate in what's called mostly center township, which is more the middle part of town of Indianapolis. Uh, you know, Indianapolis is a big city. I mean, we're metro approaching 3 million. So we're, you know, it's, it's not a small town. Um, and it's, uh, you know, a lot of big major employers and a lot of stability here. Uh, what's interesting is that the city itself is going through quite a renaissance. And, you know, the downtown has been completely transformed since the Super Bowl was here in 2012 or whatever it was. And um, so there's been a lot of areas prior to that that would probably be considered more D-class and some pretty significant urban blight. And that's all completely changing. And there are some areas of very, very rapid gentrification. So uh, things here can change street by street. So our game is to look for the, the older, you know, a little bit more beat up stuff that's in the inner city because we can buy it inexpensively. Now, you know, we're not necessarily looking for full gut jobs that's completely boarded up, but we are looking for something that needs a good bit of love, let's just say. And, uh, you know, those have served us well, and uh, we always seem to do well finding in neighborhoods that are like in the next neighborhood over or two neighborhoods over from much of the real serious gentrification. So, you know, from a pricing standpoint, uh, we're somewhat protected. And from um, an appreciation standpoint, whereas we don't guarantee anything, we feel a lot of, there's a lot of opportunity there as the years pass for those areas to improve. And we've certainly seen some of that already in some of our locations, uh, but we're just about everything we do, I would say, Jack, is probably what, five to 
20 minutes from downtown. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Sounds like you're right in the path of progress there, which yeah. is what exactly what you want to be. What what type of entry points are you buying at? 50 to 100,000 or, or, or less? Yeah, that's pretty close. I mean, you know, we prices have gone up in India. I mean, it, it's there's a lot of capital coming in from the coastal markets because they're starting to recognize the, you know, that this is a great city to invest into. The cash flow is very strong. So, you know, we are. Our prices, the acquisition prices for us are going up, so we have to raise our prices accordingly as well. It's not been dramatic, right? But they are, it's definitely, we can see it that, that it's upward price pressure due to, you know, obviously supply and demand. So we, uh, a typical, you know, like a, a 2 one, three, one is going to be maybe 45 on the lower end, uh, you know, to, you know, 50, 60,000 and then duplexes. Typically, you know, sixties to eighty thousand type range. Right, right. Interesting. And are you doing any Section Eight housing uh, tenants, or is it all for rent? Not typically. I mean, we do have some Section Eight if it works. You know, they're, they're very, very. Uh, they're kind of a pain, you know, to deal with. Uh, honestly, <laughs> that's exactly what I started with, and I didn't even know. And I was like, "This is going to be great, guaranteed income." No, it was not like that. Yeah, it's moment. really not. It's it sounds great, and it in theory, but in actual practice, the, what they put us through as the, mm. um, you know, the, 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 provider. PM, the provider, yeah, it's really tough because we have to take every, dot every I across every T and for C class, a lot of the stuff that they require really doesn't make sense from a cost perspective. Interesting. Well, gentlemen, I want to be very respectful of your time. I know we've been going on for a little bit, uh, but but one of the biggest things I, uh, the last question I always ask before we dive into the top five investing tips is, what does the future hold for both you, both both personally and professionally? Well, we're growing a big company. Um, we, we're intending to be a nationally recognized company. We already are. I mean, we sell to investors all over the world, um, but we are eyeballing a couple of other markets right now. We are spending the next few months uh, just hunkering down in our own offices to make sure that all every single system that we've got is perfectly dialed in and tuned so that it can be replicated in another location. Um, and we're getting very close. There's still, like I said, some things that are not perfect. So from the standpoint of the future of our company, yeah, we're, uh, we've been really well received for what we do. There are, like I said, there's been very few turnkeys that, can really give the level of quality that we can at all in C-class. There are plenty of them that do it in B-class, but then you don't get the same returns. Um, so we've really carved a nice niche out for ourselves. Um, me personally, as far as the future, it's like I am definitely looking towards a lot more sunshine and water and uh, less snow <laughs> and things like that. And, uh, you know, as we grow out our company to – it just personally, I, I would like to spend less time on systems and more times on podcast and marketing and the, you know the things that I enjoy um, and be able to have a little bit more freedom from some of the day-to-day -day grind. But we're, we're definitely moving in that direction. And uh, even though I'm Jack always gives me a lot of crap and calls me an old part, I, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I look forward to many years of still being productive but I still go back to my digital marketing roots. It's like, I want to work hard. I want the challenge. I want the productivity, but I don't want the ball and chain, you know? And um, so I, I'm looking forward to a day where, you know, we've got enough team members and systems in place that we're building towards 
that, you know, I can just be the dude that shows up for podcasts and write a few emails and, you know, check in from the beach. <laughs> I love that. I love that vision. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Jack, what about yourself, Ben? Well, you know, I've run in two companies, right? So, you know, I put probably the last three years, 90%, 80, 90% of my focus, bandwidth, attention has been on, you know, building out this company and, and scaling it. And, you know, we're, we're not where we want to be. We've made a huge uh, amount of progress and strides. Very proud of what we have. I'd say when I first got started in building this company out, my goal was profit for the large part. You know, of course, I wanted to provide a, you know, a great investment product for other investors. I mean, that's, you know, always the, the top goal and profitability will come from that. But I think, you know, being what we gone through, like where we had to kind of learn all aspects of the business and be construction managers, you know, I just want to wake up and like really look forward to the day, like doing exactly inside of the company what I want to do, which is podcasts and, and, uh, you know, YouTube videos and the marketing and talking and dealing with, you know, our higher level investors. Like I, I want to really like enjoy every day, enjoy the business. So that's my goal now over profitability, which I can't even believe I'm saying that. <laughs> well, yeah, you, you want to enjoy the journey yeah. rather than as, and I think Shecky, the, not the, you don't want a ball and chain. And I think that's, right. it's tough when you take on a business like Turnkey where you have to control every aspect of it to make it, the, the, you know, you just don't have the scale. You know, you, well, you have to, to build the scale, you've got to build the teams and through the teams becomes responsibilities and through that becomes headaches and systems and all that sort of stuff and building it from the ground up and you don't want to stack a teacups, you know. So there's the, I, I get it, you know, and, and part of the, I'm an engineer. I, I, I look at my own business and, you know, we've got over 1,200 units. Do I want to, do I want to bring property management in-house? And I, you know, like I sometimes do want to control it, but I'm also not, I live in California, not in Texas. Like do I, I'd have to move to Texas. Do I want to bring the construction in-house like it's all those things and the dichotomies you face as, as, as an entrepreneur and business owner and how you scale and maybe you leave some profits on the table but you have that ability to be more high level and the thought leader and, and attract more you know better investments and, and, and investors rather than working on the day-to-day which is working on the business not in the business as they say well, and so, Reed, um, you know, in your situation you know there's an old texas term if it ain't broke don't fix it <laughs> <laughs> i just think too like to me before I would have been like, no, you don't leave profits on the table, right? But now, you know, like with hindsight, I'd say I'd leave some profits on the table if I'm going to enjoy the daily grind of the business much more. Yeah. So right. there's a price to be had for for that enjoyment, right? And, and sometimes it is. But, but it's, it's interesting that you say that you, you've come to that conclusion with by trying to do it yourself like that makes sense like you take it apart and put it back together again and and and, and i'm you know i'm only early 30s and i'm you know build a portfolio and i'm only starting to i'm realizing that already and and my business partner's saying hey you know we should bring this in house like you, you know you don't want to move to austin i was like well don't you know i leave a bit of i leave profits on the table but uh, you know let's focus on buying that next big acquisition and, and let's go get you know another couple of million dollar investors uh, through thought leadership platforms rather than running a crew a crew of 10 people you know looking to flip you know put in flooring and all that sort of stuff so i i, I definitely hear you um gentlemen at the end of every show i like to get into a lightning round and i'll let uh, i think we'll do shecky first um do you want to get me your top five investing tips ready to get into it top five okay what's the daily habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals yoga 
yoga? Yeah, because, Big it, yoga guy. because it allows me to get out of my head, which is constantly spinning and get in mm -hmm. my body and just breathe and forget. And that just sort of tends to clear everything up and it makes me productive in all other areas. Yeah, I'm sure with yoga comes meditation, right? Well, I think there's, there's a med I do a little bit of that. I'm not a very good meditator. I do try and sit quiet for a few minutes every day, but I also try and get to the yoga studio earlier so I can lay in quiet for a few minutes before the class mm. starts. So, so there is an element right. of it. Right. Jack, yeah, what's your hour, daily one habit? Hour, one hour workout, mostly weight training, some cardio. That's my, that's what I do. Yep. I love it. I love it. I think being physical and there's some, there's some element of breathing heavily, you know, being physical, whether it be yoga or weight training or cardio that is nearly uh, very, med med uh, it has a meditative state, you know, when you focus on your breathing, whether because you're just like, oh, I've got to get through this next set or, or you know, I've got to hold this this yoga pose. It's, it, it has its, it already just centers you a little bit before you, you dive into the day. So awesome stuff. Um, who has been the biggest uh, influence in your careers uh, to date? Well, I have a couple. Um, I, I, I've always had a fondness for Ben Franklin because he was a guy that just, you know, completely thought outside of the box. And the guy was a businessman, a scientist, a politician. He, he's inspiring because he was never defined by one set of rules and thought very differently and wasn't afraid to strike out. I, I particularly like Albert Einstein for the same reason who, you know, again, these were just people that everybody thought they were just weird, but they, they had their own way of looking at it and it proved that they obviously, you know, had something going for them. And I'm also somewhat inspired by Wayne Gretzky, famous hockey player, mostly because of his quote that always serves me well. And it's this, this is how it goes. You miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. <laughs> so I use that to just kind of like, Oh, hey, let's just take a shot. We're not going to know if we don't awesome. try. Awesome. Mine is Jack? My, yeah, mine's my parents. My mom taught me work ethic, and my dad taught me money management, fiscal responsibility. That's awesome. That's great. Good stuff. Good. Um, I'm, you, you've built this awesome business. You've built a lot of systems. You've built a lot of mousetraps. What is the number one tool? It could be software. It could be a person. It could be a hardware-related that you use in your business on a daily basis? Well, on, on our side, on the system side, no question about it, what's really helped us is a tool called monday.com. And uh, they started off, I think, three, four years ago, they were called DePulse. They're really interesting. They're a company out of Israel, actually, and really, really interesting company in that they just have this, it could be called a project management tool, task management, whatever, but because we've got so many moving parts and this thing is so damn flexible, it allows us to monitor all of our progress on everything that we do. And it's, uh, although we kind of hated bringing it on and we went away from it a little bit and then we went back to it. And you now we finally, now that we finally embraced it, it, it's, it's a really, really fantastic tool for us. Yeah. For me, it's zoom actually the zoom video platform we're on right now, because I'm the one that's three hours away. Um, Nicole is our investor, had uh, investor relations. She's in Iowa, so she's several hours away as well. And it allows us to all, you know, be together like we're face to face in a conference room. So it's really, I mean, it's huge. 
Yeah, you've, you've list, uh, I don't use Monday, Shecky. I use Slack. Uh, yeah. I think it's been really, really good to get. You know, we have deals in the different channels, and you can just scroll back through rather than you know going through a bunch of emails. Yeah. And yeah, Zoom has been game changing in terms of being remote and, and and having that ability to sit on a beach one day <laughs> and log in as long as you've got a little bit of internet. And you know, it's life by design. And I know definitely my business. I, I'm from Australia. I like to go back to Australia two or three times a year. And as long as I've got internet, I can work, you yeah. know? So it's, uh, it's, I think it's intentional, uh, intentionality of a business and, and building those, a lot of people on the show answer it with a software to build a business that is more life by design and live on their own terms. So it's so good stuff. Um, what has been, in, in one sentence from both of you, what has been the biggest failure in your career and what did you learn from that failure? I think I can, sp- I think I can speak for both of us. I mean, we, you know, we put, we hired the wrong people in the wrong, put them in the wrong seat and trusted them with too much responsibility and money. And they, you know, they didn't do the rehabs the way they were supposed to do. We ended up having to pay double, sometimes even triple on a, on a rehab. I mean, that, you know, that for most companies that would have taken them under for us, we just fought our way out of it and sold our way out of it. But that was, that was monumental mistake. So we've, you know, we've, certainly learned and that's why we put some of the checks in place to prevent it from happening again that's awesome yep gentlemen where can people reach you to continue the conversation they want to be in your sphere they want to check out what you're putting out there where do they go just go to our website it's high return real just like it sounds just like it's spelled but everything we do is there i mean you can see our inventory, you can see our processes, you can see our podcast, you know, it's, it's, we've just put everything up on that site. Awesome. And you guys have a podcast as well, right? What's that called? It's called the High Return Real Estate Show. So awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> self-explanatory. Yeah. And, and we, we try, probably like you, we try to focus on stuff that's more in the buy and hold realm. I mean, obviously that can't be all of the conversation, but we, you know, we talk about mindset and a lot of other stuff too. Uh, but we've, we've had a lot of fun doing that, and, and, and this has been great. I and mean, we, we love coming on, on other people's show that are, you know, in the same space and like-minded and are other movers and shakers. I mean, th- this, is the, this is by far the best part of it. <laughs> it is, isn't yeah. it? It's, it's really like a mentor. I always say to my, my wife, always, I, I come out of the, our little office and I'm buzzing and jumping off the walls because of so, so much energy I get from talking to other entrepreneurs. And she's like, Did you just, did you just take something? Like, no, I just did a podcast. It's yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Well, gentlemen, I want to thank you so much for jumping on today's show. Just a couple of the takeaway things that I, you know, I, I, I learned from today's show. I think the big, the big one for me was building a trust in a system. I, I wrote it down earlier on when, when one of you mentioned it. I think it's really important to to build an awesome mousetrap. I talk a lot about on this show how it's the how-to of, of you know, I'm the engineer and my, my mind is always like, well, how'd you build that? Like, you know, what, what you had a problem, how'd you get over it? And, and through building an awesome system. Uh, and I think the, the other thing that I, I took away was um, you need a good product. And if you have a good product, you can sell it to you know many different people. And, and as long, but the product comes from a good system. So it's one, two, three. And then the last thing I, I took from from you, Jack, was you always need a challenge. And I think that that grittiness um, to to roll up the sleeves. I talk a lot about on this show because that's where I, you know I come from. And um, is that my both similar to you, Jack? Both my parents were very influential in my career in terms of teaching me how to be gritty and, and roll up the sleeves and not be afraid of. Uh, of giving it a go, you know, giving it a crack, and and I think you know that's 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 what it's all about, and getting dirty, and, and getting uncomfortable, and 
addressing the issue and having to build the system out. And yeah, it could it can be a pain in the ass, but that's the whole point, right? Of being, you know, you can control of your own destiny. So that's right. um, did, did I leave anything out? Nailed it. Good wrap up. Awesome, what guys. A great show. Thank you for having us. It's been awesome. <laughs> well, guys, I, I do want to thank you for, for, for jumping on my show. Enjoy the rest of your week and we'll catch up soon. Well, there you have it. Another great episode jam-packed with some incredible advice from Shecky and Jack. Please definitely check out what their website. Uh, and make sure you you know check out if you're into the turnkey investment, ask them a little bit more questions about how they're building out their systems um, because it is very, very interesting uh, what they're doing over there in Indianapolis. Um, I want to thank you all again for taking some time out of your day to continue to grow your financial IQ because that's what we do do on this show each and every week. And we're going to do it next week. So be bold, be brave, and remember, go give life a crack.